0: Hello and welcome to Future Fundamentals, the podcast direct from the chief investment office at Deutsche Bank's private bank that takes a long-term look at investment challenges. And today we're looking at an area that has perhaps seen the biggest shakeup because of the COVID pandemic, the future of work.
1: We have the tool, we have the digital tool, we have internet, we have access to our computer wherever we are in the world. And I think it brings a tool to better combine a work-life balance. And this is something that shouldn't be undermined and uh, and probably like the biggest achievement that that we could get from, from the pandemic.
2: Not just the workers have to deliver, it is also that management has to change in the degree of its understanding of itself, as well as management techniques have to adapt as well to this morality.
0: Pretty much every company in every country is learning how to adjust to a world of hybrid working and, as is so often the case with significant change, the challenge is making sure it's more of an opportunity than a threat for individuals, organisations and governments. So it's no surprise Deutsche Bank has turned its attention to this with a report called The Future of Work and the Rero Revolution. Two of its authors are with me now, the global head of the chief investment office, Marcus Muller, and Marion Labre, who is senior economist at Deutsche Bank Research and a Harvard lecturer. Both of you, thank you very much for, for being part of this. It's a pleasure, Guy. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, thank you very much, Guy. A pleasure to be
0: there. Great stuff. Well, look, um, can I start with a slightly basic question, Marion, uh, to you, which is obviously this sort of hybrid working thing that we've all got used to, reasonably used to, is here to stay. But, but how much is it here to stay, do you think?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And if we look at the trend uh, before the COVID-19, only 5% of American companies reported that 40% or, or more of their workers worked predominantly from home. And, and what we have seen in April 2020 is like over two-thirds of American companies reported that 40% or more uh, of their employees were managing to do so. And this year was even higher a year uh, later. So we, we expect this trend to stay, uh, probably not uh, as high as it used to be during the lockdown, but uh, to be there and uh, much, much higher than what it was before the pandemic.
2: I maybe maybe might add to what Marion just has said. So we know this from economic or socio-economic transformations also of the past that if such a time of high pressure or a, a high need for change occurs, then the pendulum swings really in the extreme. And this goes then back to a kind of... I don't want to say equilibrium, but, but to, to, a, to a place more or less in the middle between the two extremes from the time before such a crisis and, and then during the, the crisis. So this is important. And secondly, we should really not forget that this just was possible because of the already ongoing underlying digitalization trend we've seen already since some years, even not decades, establishing globally. Especially also then with the emerging um, markets coming into play in the early 2000s, and also their ability to adapt new technologies easier than the developed countries.
0: So uh, there are there are a number of different players in this game, aren't there? There's there's employees and employers and governments and the like. So uh, do do you think? Marion that they are aligned, those different players, or do you think they all have sort of slightly different takes or different interests in the, in the amount of hybrid working that we'll end up with?
1: Yeah, that, that's a good question, Guy. And actually, what we are seeing is like the ability to telework is is definitely not equal across income groups, uh, industries, and countries. We had this initial honeymoon, uh, and people, I would say, are starting and have already started to realize that the freedom of work from home doesn't have some downsides. Uh, so, I'm thinking about the dilution of company culture. Uh, there, there is also, and there are many coordination issues, and even the mental well-being of some workers. So, overall, th- there is a trade-off uh, that comes with remote work and may benefit some, uh, but all employees.
2: The ability to remote work should not be a privilege, because. Otherwise, this could create um, a decent degree of tension in society um, which would um, really be not easy to heal. We need really to bear this Im- to bear in mind and to put policies also in place. And also governments, as well as companies need to understand this that this should not be just something for a dedicated set of people. It should be, in general, possible, for everyone where the work allows this.
0: Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about what the implications for 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 companies uh are first of all because you know there are different implications for different different groups in this. I mean you know the the most obvious thing is perhaps that you know if you've got 50% of your staff working 50% of the time away from the office, it, even I can do the math that that you know you could end up with 25% less need for desk space which is a a cost saving but that 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 in itself may not be the uh, you know the, the best thing right
2: yeah it depends i think also here the truth sits maybe in the middle so first of all if we think about what it means um for companies on the one side as you said it's a potential cost reduction on the other side we maybe have more um efficiency on the on the worker side on the employment side but this both dimensions depend really are depending on on input factors like communication communication within the team communication uh, throughout the different levels of hierarchy Um, if the communication is not done well maybe the workers efficiency will
1: decrease i fully agree and what we use uh, to focus uh, in terms of companies until recently was presentism, And there is a clear uh, shift versus from input to output. And now, uh, given that people are working from home and it's very hard actually to to, to look at how many people are working, how many hours, and companies tend to focus much more on on output and and delivery versus the number of hours sitting in the office, presentism, and input. And and what we are seeing is um, individuals and teams that focus on analyzing and optimizing performance tend to outperform uh, their peers, And... The most successful companies, uh, it's what we are seeing, invest significant amounts of time and money in recruitment, uh, training, coaching as well to sustain their ranks. And all of this uh, is typically done through personal relationships. So employees uh, mimic the daily habits of successful peers and they participate in in intensive side training to, to boost motivation and mental well-being.
2: If you are not regularly coming together as a team, identification will be difficult with your team, with the brand. Learning, we learn by observing, this will become difficult. And then really these these communication, um, especially based on the fact that we communicate rather through non-verbal communication than with verbal communication.
1: We, We should differentiate between active learning and passive learning. And uh, if you look at what people are doing in the office, and especially I'm thinking about juniors, graduate people who are new in the office, uh, they learn a lot just like being in the office because they can see people.
0: Can I come back to the, what you were saying earlier about uh, shifting from measurement of input to measurement of output, i.e. moving away from yeah, how many hours you're spending in the office to how much work you're actually achieving? it I mean at one level that's a it, it sounds like a really brilliant thing to do you know you, you what you achieve is much more important than you know than than just being there but it's much harder to measure that puts more of an emphasis on creative measurement of of work and things like that doesn't it for companies
1: Yeah absolutely and it's the major trend that we have seen uh, over the previous year so it's it, it's new it might be new in the corporate world, but it has been there for a while. If you look at uh, the freelance platform, uh, some of them uh, you can pay your freelancer by uh, project, per task, and you can also choose to, to hire your freelancer by uh, hour. So you have two types of uh, hiring contracts for, for most freelance platform. And I, and I think operators are measuring much more what uh, people are doing, so what they are delivering, uh, what is the value added. Uh, people are entering like, uh, connections, uh, they are entering work, uh, they are measuring how many projects they have been working on. And it, it, it's kind of the biggest change, I would say.
2: But this has a prerequisite, right? The prerequisite is that not just the workers have to deliver, it is also that management has to change management has to change in the degree of its understanding of itself, as well as many management um, techniques have to adapt as well to this new reality, because um, we are still living in a world where we have rather process governance by a manager than ju- than the, the output control. And due to the ability now to work more remotely, um, this must really adapt as well. And one prerequisite is a so-called trust-based working arrangements, um, TBW. Um, We know this from some companies also here, especially in Germany, that they have been quite successful in not just implementing remote working arrangements, but also being more productive. At the same time, companies who put uh, such uh, TBW um, principles in place, Um, they've been mostly the bigger companies and the companies who are the the companies who provided also a efficient and working work environment arrangement work platform with this you really can boost and we are coming back to the point guy you asked me earlier about what does it mean for companies and what is in for companies the efficiency gains are really in it and the identification of the of the new generations of workers or employees because they might identify themselves more with a company who gives flexibility, who has a modern equipment and who really assesses the output instead of being always controlled by the company. And this is something what I think is a complete fundamental change to what we know from, from the past.
0: Marion, you mentioned uh, the, the the opportunity for more freelancing. Uh, do, you, do you think... That the remote working in itself and, and companies learning to deal with it and learning to deal with measurement of output rather than input will lead to much more you know, gig economy type work, even in, in, in sort of professional jobs uh, and the like. And maybe, I don't know, artificial intelligence might be able to help or, or not help in, in various different ways. Is there a bigger shift going on?
1: Yeah, we have seen some uh, differences across regions and countries. Uh, If we look at the U.S., I think freelancing is not new. Uh, It has been there for a while, and uh, actually many people are combining uh, a day job with like an evening job and a freelancer job. In Europe, I think it's slightly different, especially in Western Europe, where people tend to have like only one job before the pandemic, and uh, switch uh, to a freelance job, but full-time, not combining both. And, and what we are seeing these days is um, many people actually did really enjoy, appreciate the flexibility that uh, has been given by the pandemic to be able to work from home. And a uh, few people actually are, are very happy and, and, and would prefer uh, to have some flexibility in their work. And uh, if actually freelance is, is, the, is, is the solution to be a freelancer.
0: Yeah. So both of you uh, uh, have mentioned, I think, fairness uh, in this conversation. Uh, is, that, is that something we need to be particularly mindful of? And, and is that sort of the concept of fairness, uh, both from employers to employees and different types of employees and the like, is that, is that, is that in danger?
2: Whether it's in danger um, or not, um, I'm not sure to say, but um, at the end, I would say we have to think about this again. And what does fairness mean? Um, I think it means that a third independent person would make the same decision. So this would, would be my underlying principle of fairness, according to Adam Smith as well as Amartya okay. Zen. One of really two well-known um, economists who have both said this in, in in this direction. So this is point number one. We we have to rethink. I think um, on the other side, um, what I said at the beginning, it should not be seen as a privilege that that you work remotely, because um, the divide of the society the. Divide has been growing during the last years, especially in the western western countries, and we see this also in in recent election that there is something the societies are worrying about, and we also know that the middle class has been shrinking um, before the pandemic slightly from 64 um, percent um, to 60 percent, and this is something which which we need and where the governments also need to have an eye on to to create a policy framework, a framework which enables people also to um, pursue their life, right? So the flexibility of the the work arrangement doesn't mean that you then have to take three or or two jobs on your shoulders to, to combat the challenges of your daily life. So this is something what we really have to think about. And um, on the other side, we need to understand remote working or the flexibility of work as a tool to bring our work with our life more into balance.
0: And Marian, we haven't talked really about the, the impact for, for uh, regulation or government or, or, or anything like that yet. Are there big implications for the way we sort of organize our, you know, our, our governance and the like?
1: Yeah, so, so so just to come back on on fairness and flexibility, um, I, I I agree with what what Mark has just mentioned, and I think it's 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 probably like the the key uh, learning, key things that we can uh, get from the pandemic is this kind of flexibility, and we have the tool, we have the digital tool, we have internet, we have. Uh, access uh, to our computer wherever we are in the world, uh, and I think it brings like um, a tool to better combine uh, work-life uh, balance, uh, and this is uh, something that shouldn't be undermined, and, uh, and probably like the biggest achievement that that we could get from from the pandemic. And to come back on on your question, Guy, about uh, government and things, uh, visa regulation, uh, what we have seen during the pandemic, like. A few companies made uh, announcements that actually uh, employees could get paid and uh, the wage could be indexed uh, where they are uh, living or could uh, get paid depending on uh, where the, con- the final consumer is or depending where the headquarter is. And actually, it really depends on the companies. There is a lot of flexibility around the world. Uh, some countries have uh, given actually work visa. Uh, some of them to pay uh, lower taxation, a uh, few of them to not pay taxation during the pandemic. And uh, the pandemic, I would say, really propelled the work wherever you are, wherever you want, wherever you can. And we are seeing some people uh, walking where, wherever they, they want to in the world. And uh, this is one of the, of the key achievements as well the, that we have seen during the pandemic. The ability to walk, uh, wherever you are in the world, uh, and to be flexible. Uh, this, this is something which is uh, give a lot of flexibility. Okay?
2: Such work flexibility can be really one kind of inclusion program for um, other societal areas as well, and other countries as well, because at the end, it makes it possible that we include workers from other parts of the world, which currently have been not included in the globalization so far. So um, this is a chance. Of course, it will take time. Um, But I think here, emerging markets, low income countries have really a complete different role now to play. Also based on what I've said, that they have potential to leapfrog some of the technology where developed countries rather have costs than than really the immediate um, opportunities. In front of them. So this is something where the global village need to rethink the governance of it, and also the possibility and the chance which which this entire development bears.
1: And I would add that freelancing is, is probably like the, the new remote working in some ways. And in, in terms of inequalities, um, my view on inequalities is like they are likely to continue to drop uh, between countries because if you can work wherever you want, wherever uh, you are able uh, to work in the world, it means that companies could hire people from uh, everywhere in the world, which means that uh, everywhere in one country, but everywhere uh, in Asia, in Latin America, in uh, in Eastern Europe as well, and at the end, uh, it could uh, decrease inequality
0: overall. It does occur to me that there's a lot of uncertainty for everybody in this. Does everybody involved in this have to learn a new way of, of sort of managing their expectations and, and, the, and the certainties or lack of certainties in their, in their working and, and perhaps for the rest of their lives, do you think? So what you
2: just have said guy is for me, or maybe if I would use a different word for summarizing what you just have said in your question, is development, right? And development is always a prerequisite for prosperity. If there is no development, um, prosperity is, is not possible and prosperity is one of the most important glues for keeping our societies together and um, for further development and also for peace and, and inclusion. So means um, we need to embrace this ambiguity, this complexity, this opacity that we do not know what happens, but we should not try to prevent this. We rather should foster this development and this change. One thing we just need to make sure or at least two things that everyone who is involved in this transformation has an seamless ability to identify themselves with the change. If, if an individual can't identify itself with change, it will very likely go against it. And secondly, it must be done in a, in a way that it's inclusive and not exclusive.
1: It's a step-by-step approach because we, I mean, you're right about uncertainty and there is a, a high level of uncertainty these days. And it's like working adjustments. So people, governments, companies, uh, try to make it work step by step, making some adjustments. Uh, and, and, and we are going to like a, a new world, like a new uncertainties that we haven't experienced before. So again, step by step adjustment. Uh, but I, I don't think we'll get back to, to this uh, pre-pandemic uh, where everyone was working in the office.
2: I think this also is one of the potential new forces for a new kind of globalization, because we know um, see that globalization will change its character from more global to local production. So I would call it globalization. So global and local activity um, now a little bit in a different shape than we know this from the last decades. But we will start to trade and globalize more the topic of data, the topic of services, asset as a service. So globalization will completely change its character. In the physical area, it will go more local, also in the context of sustainability. This will be also very inclusive or can be very inclusive for local communities. But in the more data digitalized world, we will see more globalization. And we see have seen during the last three big waves of globalization, if, if we can say that we had three globalizations during the last 2000 years, or big waves of globalization due to some economists, then we know one underlying force always was technological advantage. And what we are just having discussed here today with Marion and, and with you, Guy, is really one new acceleration of technological development via digitalization. And this makes me confident that there is room for prosperity, including the Global South, and with really many opportunities, but we need to manage this correctly and with a um, right degree of of being realistic about what by when it's achievable but overall i'm really quite optimistic about this
0: well that sounds like a pretty good place to to end it's always good to end on a on a happy note thank you both very much for your time and indeed for your wisdom today that was markus muller who is Global Head of the Chief Investment Office at Deutsche Bank Private Bank, and Marion Labouret, who is a Senior Economist at Deutsche Bank Research and a Harvard Lecturer. And if all that's done is whet your appetite for more information, you can find plenty at deutschewealth.com, including the Future of Work report that Marcus and Marion uh, have been putting together. That's it for this episode of Future Fundamentals. Thank you very much for listening and see you next time.
3: This podcast may be considered marketing material. The value of an investment can fall as well as rise, and you might not get back the amount you originally invested. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Deutsche Bank. The services described in this podcast are provided by Deutsche Bank AG or by its subsidiaries and or affiliates in accordance with appropriate local legislation and regulation. Deutsche Bank AG is subject to comprehensive supervision by the European Central Bank, ECB, by Germany's Federal Financial Supervisory Authority, (BaFin), and by Germany's Central Bank, Deutsche Bundesbank. Brokerage services in the United States are offered through Deutsche Bank Securities Incorporated, a broker, dealer and registered investment advisor, which conducts investment banking and securities activities in the United States. Deutsche Bank Securities Incorporated is a member of FINRA, NYSC and SIPC. Lending and banking services in the United States are offered through Deutsche Bank Trust Company Americas, member FDIC and other members of the Deutsche Bank Group. The product, services, information and or materials referred to within this podcast may not be available for residents of certain jurisdictions. Copyright 2022 Deutsche Bank AG and or its subsidiaries. All rights reserved. This podcast may not be used Reproduced, copied or modified without the written consent of Deutsche Bank AG.